What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in Lubbock, people up in Shy City, excuse me, people up in Tyler, people down in the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. You are tuned in here to the Monday edition of the Sports Grind. All right, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. 877-37-GRIND is your number to participate. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. 877-374-7463 is your number. If you know what you want to talk about, like always, it is open phone lines. Uh, anything that happened over the weekend that's sports-related that you want to bring to the airwaves that we're not discussing, feel free to do that. And also, anything that we're discussing present that you want to weigh in and give your opinion on feel free to do that as well we just ask you to be patient during the long breaks and long segments and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly also if you need to reach out to me or follow me on twitter you can do that at sports grind all right also if you want to uh, stream the show live all right, and you can leave comments, and I'll read those and respond to those in real time. You can go to the business Facebook page of Sports Grind Entertainment, or you can go to my personal page, and you can leave comments. And like I said, I'll respond to those in real time. If not, I'll respond to them later. And also keep in mind, if you ever miss any of the episodes live, you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com, where you can download the daily podcast seven days a week, 365. 87737Grind. What's up, Mr. Clark? Ready, rock and roll. All right, man, let's go. Yeah, you just coming straight in off the trip. You were gone. You got out of here Wednesday and you went up to Oregon. How was that? It was good, man. Got to go see some family, uh, hang out with everybody. You know, my family all lives out of state, so it's not like I get to see everybody often. Hmm. So it was a great time. But yeah, got back in like what, like uh, four or five o'clock this morning? Oh, man. Nah, I can't be doing that. Coffee because, on my left is doing work. Uh, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, you'll be out tonight by like 7 o'clock. Um, but anyway, that's good. Glad you made it back safe. Um, pretty much Mondays are while you were in Oregon doing wine tastings and everything. I was rehabbing a bulldog and tank sometimes at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock. I've done more washing towels and stuff for him more than anything. But he's recovering good, though. He's doing pretty good. Had his checkup today, so he's recovering pretty better than what I thought, anticipated. So, um, but anyway, for the sports world, there's been a lot uh, that has gone on. Of course, we haven't been with you since last Tuesday, so there's we're not going to be able to recap and cover everything. Uh, but we'll, ca- you know, there are definitely some things that happen, you know, over the course of the days that we're off, and then also news just over the weekend and sports. So, of course, it's March Madness, so that has the stage. You know, the NFL is trying to jockey and, and have something to say about that. Um, but the March Madness is set. The Sweet 16 is set, I should say. Uh, but, and, you know, I'll tell you, and I'm always one of those guys that I'm never, never like being a pres- prisoner of the moment type of guy. Um, you know, I've been watching sports for a while, been paying attention to, I mean, I've been watching March Madness and tournaments for a while, even before I really started paying attention to the regular season of college basketball. But I will tell you, this is one of the, uh, most competitive tournaments and I kind of touched on it throughout the year 
um, early on that's saying, hey, you know, how many times did we see a number one, a team hold on to the number one ranking before they lost on a Tuesday or Wednesday night? You know, it was a, it was, you know, the signs were there that this was going to be a tournament that was going to be wide open um, and competitive. And let me tell you, I got a reason for that, and I got something we can think. You know, as we enjoy all these games. So we'll definitely take a look at uh, the Sweet 16 matchups. Uh, we'll have all week to do that till Thursday. They tip off Thursday. Uh, definitely we got some coaching changes in college basketball as well, too, that I'm going to get to here shortly. So you've got that going on. Also, um, World Baseball Classic. World Baseball Classic. I think that's what they call it. That's what it's okay, called. Okay, I was yeah. right. Okay. The WBC. WBC. Okay, not the WB, but the WBC. Um, I brought this up a couple times last week. First of all, shout out to the Americans. They steamrolled themselves into the finals um, at the WBC. Um, You know, I think they're waiting the winner of uh, Japan, right? Is it Japan and Mexico, or who's who's the winner? Yes, uh, the semifinal is Mexico and Japan. Okay, so they're they're facing. Tonight. Yeah, they're waiting on the face who they're gonna you know face out of Japan and Mexico. But um, and this is like their second you know time they've reached to the finals. I think two times out of the last three three of these. I think so. It was a time that you know you felt like, hey man, Dominican Republic. Everybody else is kind of catching up baseball the past, but you got to give credit. To our American ball players that are there, superstars that are there. But I brought this up last week about Otani, okay, and saying that if I'm the Angels, you know, again, the batting, fine. But pitching, I just can't have him. I really, and I don't know if there's nothing they can do uh, to stop him because it's probably in his contract that he can go play in this. But I would, I'd said, you know, proceed with caution because of how much is riding on Otani. And really what these games are about. Well, over the weekend, okay, and we'll start kind of in our backyard. Jose Altuve is pretty much not going to be for the Astros, with the Astros for the start of the season. Um, he has a broken thumb, took a pitch on the hand, uh, saw that one. But he, you know, it's a broken thumb, so I don't know the timetable, but I know we're pretty much about to throw first pitch out here pretty soon. He's not going to be at the start of the season. So you have that, but that is not even as bad as what the New York Mets organization was hit with. That pretty much happened prior to Altuve getting hit in the hand with a pitch, and that's Edwin Diaz, their closer, okay, uh, who pitched for Puerto Rico, they won the game. He's very animated. They got the last strike, come to save, and pretty much he blows out his knee celebrating on the mound. You know, guys come out, they tap everybody like, oh, hey, you know, like you were in the World Series stuff. He got hurt immediately celebrating, jumping up and down. He's gone for the season for the Mets. Now, if you've been paying attention, which I haven't been paying attention to a lot of off-season, like in-depth off-season moves and stuff, um, but I know the Mets have spent a lot of money in the last two years, and especially they spent some good chunk of change this off-season. They're all in it. I mean, they're they're really, to me, I think that roster-wise and really just competing in October – 
in a four out of seven series, I think they're built better than the, the Yankees are to a certain extent. But Diaz was a big, big part of that in regards to the closer position. Um, this definitely, I'm not saying this is something the Mets can't overcome, but this is definitely a blow to them. Now, this, when you have Altuve and you have Diaz go down, this is a situation where now the conversations I've heard over the weekend, like, what are we really doing? What, you know, I know Keith Olbermann, uh, old school cat, four-letter network, old Keith, did sports for a while, then went to news, and then back at sports, and he gives it a take. But I know he laid into the WBC and pretty much said, "What well, now you got people as him and other people at platforms asking, what are we doing this for? What is this? You know, I mean, it's right before the season starts as we're in spring training. Why are we doing this and what are we doing it for? Because the reality of it is, is that these ball players are making guaranteed money and they are making big. Most of all of them are damn near making quarterback money for the most part. Okay, unless you play with the A's, the Rays, or some of these cheap teams. But you have some big investment in these guys. And they're, and I understand pride's on the line. I mean, this is a passionate type of tournament. It's really turned to that, especially over the last few years. You know, um, but, you know, go. I mean, the Astros, I think that's something that they can overcome. And I'm pretty sure the Mets can. But this is a big, big blow to the Mets. And to lose him like that in the midst of a celebration. You know, now evidently maybe his knee was leaning on Jesus anyway and was about to give out at any time on the mound, whether it was trying to close a two, you know, a six out save or something like that. But to lose him on this stage and we're and, and really, I would say that with the anticipations and expectations of the New York Mets. Tough blow. But this is the reason why I was bringing up the factor with Otani, man. I was just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And I get it. Like, expect, like in American, I think Americans are just different. I mean, I think, you know, again, it just goes whether you want to use the word we're spoiled, whether this and that. But make no mistake about it. When you talk about Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, you know, a lot of these other ball clubs in these countries, I think it does mean it means a lot more to them, I believe, than it does most of our Americans. And you could tell by just the participation in this. Now, the last couple ones for the Americans, like I said, they're going to the finals again for the second time, like like out of the last three of these things. So I think the people that showed up, you give them credit. But over the years, you've seen a lot of our best of the best don't participate in this. But it just comes down to what are we really doing with this and the timing of this? I mean, you know, I can't because I feel like they're damned if you do, if you play this if you have this tournament the wbc in the middle of the season then you can, how can you do that you can't really do that you know um but if you have it i guess if you have it earlier in the summer and still uh, well i should say early in the summer but early like in the fall and, and maybe play, i don't know but it just the timing of this to have this where spring training is going on and you and you're in the situation of the mets that i mean it's a bummer for the astros too you know, they're the defending world champs, but I think El Tuve, which is a huge, huge part of that lineup, he's not going to miss the season, um, but he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. But the New York Mets, to lose their number one closer, probably one of the better closers in the game right now, that's a tough blow. What were you going to say something, Jim? Well, a handful of things here. When you look at the spending done this offseason, Diaz was one of those pieces, uh, mm -hmm. signed a five-year, $102 million deal. 
as a closer, not not annually. So that's just no. I know it's still that's a good chunk of change for a closer. It's man. a good chunk of change, but you, I feel like there's there's a hint of a double standard here because every four years we do the Olympics and the United States men's basketball team before their season starts uh, a month before camps mm-hmm. really open they're participating and and we we see the lack of participation but we also saw the resurgence of participation uh, with the redeem team and then the 2000 you know with the 2004 and then the 2008 and and we were putting our best into there and there was a sense of nationalism, a sense of pride there, and understanding there's risk and injury there as well. And then when we talked about this last week, when you mentioned Otani, you could you could take this, you could get a hit by a pitch and broken thumb in spring training. We're getting ready to, to get the season started here anyway. Yeah, you could have it happen in batting practice. What well, you could trip down the stairs and and. Ugh. Tear your knee, your your patellar tendon. Look, like the Diaz baseball did. baseball players are known to have freakish uh, injuries. There's guys been on disabled list for playing from video game thumb. I mean, real story. So uh, baseball players, not all athletes, get freaky injuries. But this is the deal. And and if you want to go to the 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 basketball comparison by Olympic we've gone through this in this town. It doesn't matter. It's like when you, because it comes to, when we went through this with Manu Ginobili down here, when his ankle was a ticking Tom bomb and, and he went over there to play for the club Argentina, which I think that's the year that they won it all. I think that was the year. I can't remember. Memory's bad getting older. There was people in this that's city that, there was people in this city that didn't want him to play for them. And the, and, the, and the part that comes along with this, whether you're talking about the WBC or the Olympics men's basketball national team, there's a certain fan base, and I'm not going to put this just on the fans, there's owners that's really paying this that are saying that I'm paying you. I'm paying you. There's a reason why Michael Jordan, which I didn't have him on the docket, by the way, but he's in the news for the last few days. But there's a reason why Michael Jordan went to bat for the love of the game clause in his contracts, that he could play pickup games during the offseason. He fought for that. They didn't want him doing that. And there's a lot of guys that whether you – there's a lot of guys, hey, man, you're not skydiving. You're not doing this. You're not doing the Patrick Holmes. I think in his contract when he signed this one, he had to give him the motorcycle. Like, it's different when you – like, at the end of the day, they're playing this WBC for pride. That's all it is, is represent your country for pride. I even forgot about that aspect that you brought up. You're talking about giving Diaz, dude, a hundred – and two or nine million, that's a lot of money for a closer, man. We ain't talking, that ain't that ain't third base, man. That's not like an average. Some days, Diaz don't even have to come out and close. How do you think the Mets owner's feeling today? Okay. Do you think that basically he's looking around and somebody's accusing him of feeling a certain way because he sees a Puerto Rico flag and he just sits there and just and gets red-faced? A hundred mil, man, and this is a team that's competing with the Yankees in town for for front page newspapers, and they're trying to get back to the World Series. And they've got an old school manager and Buck Showalter that had a hell of a season last year. There's no way you can spend this. I see both sides of it, but I'm going to side a little bit with the owners on this. There's you can't like my thing is you can't have it both ways. You, these are guaranteed big dollar contracts. 
I mean, right now in the NFL, we're over here discussing and clamoring and got a pretty much a collusion situation going on because of quarterback contracts. That's it. There's a lot of baseball players in baseball that are making quarterback money that ain't the superstars. So the point is, I'm not here to rain on the parade of the USA. Go USA, of course. Or I'm saying that they need to do away with this, but this is why I brought it up last week with Otani because I think like that. I think money, and I'm thinking like, what is this really about? To say we're the best baseball players right now in the in the country, in the world. And how often do they do this again? How often is this one? Because you were going one four years. I'm like, I know this ain't once every four years. This is probably maybe once every two years, maybe. I'll catch that on the other side. Yeah, for you. yeah. I don't. I doubt this one's once every four years. I think this one might be once every two years, but I could be wrong. But bad news for the Mets, man. Bad news. We've got NFL. Dallas continues to make moves. All right. They pull off a trade with their in-state partners, the Texans. We'll talk about that as well, too. We've got to get to that. But we get back. Let's take a look at March Madness this past weekend. It went, took place as we're heading toward the Sweet 16. You listen to the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spinning the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Cry. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind what you know about rolling down in the deep when your brain goes numb you can call that mental freeze when these people talk too much put that in slow motion yeah i feel like an all right back here on the sports grind calvin casey jonas clark producing spinning the one and twos eight seven seven three seven grind is your number Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. Keep in mind, if you're looking to check out what's the latest new products that are coming in, or if you know exactly what you want, but you just want it delivered right to your doorstep, uh, you can go to specsonline.com because the fun starts here. That is Specs, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right. So keep it moving here. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's my thought. We'll, we'll move in. We found out that Jonas said WBC is every three years. So, again, you know, I don't think it's going to be that major of a deal because it only comes around every three years and it's not every year they go through this. But make no mistake about it, with these two guys, these two names that went down, one of them lost for the year coming off of a uh, an offseason he signed a contract, it's going to be a discussion in regards to going forward amongst the owners of what they really want to do. And there's going to be certain players going forward that might have language in their contract like, hey, you know. Because like I told you last week, Otani could have went, but he wasn't pitching. I get, if I'm the Angels owner, I, I wouldn't have him pitch. And I'll fight you on it because that's – he. you know, remember, he decided not to sell the team at the last minute, but this is the same owner that shelled out a lot of money on some bad contracts, and this is the same owner that paid, what was it, $50 million a third well, – I think it was like 50, a record $50 million just to talk to the club that had the rights to Tony. Uh, Tony. Didn't know if you are going to get him or get them, but you had to just pay that just the rights. So I've already paid y'all one the rights before, and I don't want him throwing his arm out you know, basically in this situation. It's, uh, like I said, I kind of see both sides, but if you ask me to side with it right now, I'm going to go with the, uh, the owners a little bit on this one. But anyway, so moving in, moving forward, before we get to some NFL talk, let's start with March Madness because that's where we're at. Uh, we're down to the Sweet 16. A lot of exciting things going on uh, this weekend and a lot of different matchups. Uh, first off, let's talk about the history that was made on Thursday with Purdue being the number one seed, losing to a 16 seed. A team or university that I didn't even know existed until they showed up. And really, if you look at the backstory, they got in by default, like almost like a rule. They had to overtake somebody else's place. So you can go look at it. But anyway, Purdue loses. I'll tell you this. This should have, the writing on the wall with Purdue, which a lot of people that follow college basketball, I mean, they were pretty much the weakest number one seed out of everybody that felt really wasn't truly a number one seed when the selections came out. And really, the writing was on the wall probably in the Big Ten championship game, Penn State versus Purdue, when they controlled most of that game. But head coach Matt Painter, okay. I think his first name is Matt, but Painter. This guy here, okay, first of all, I remember coming in here that Monday and saying, look, they let Penn State in the game because at that time Painter was so worried about taking his best player out in Edie because they were going small, and he was so worried about going small, he took him out, and then that's when Penn State made a run, and that game ended up being closer than really you know, it should have been. If there was two minutes left in that game, Penn State would have won the Big Ten title tournament. Okay, so automatically you have that situation and then you have you go forward to this game Thursday. A team that is they were telling me um, is the smallest team in Division one basketball by height size. They got a bunch of small guys that didn't even have big guys. And they just made Purdue look slow is all all get out. They just made them look slow, and for the only second time in this tournament's history, a 16 beat a one seed. I believe Matt Painter has to be reevaluated, and it's time for him to be evaluated. Um, this goes back to what I always preach. He, he's, he's one of theirs. He's family. He played at Purdue. He's been at Purdue. But do you realize, I think I saw a stat, that this is Purdue's, 
out of the last four tournaments or five terms, I think this is their third time or fourth time they've lost to a, a 10th or 11th seed or higher. They've been knocked out. That's on his watch. If you look at Edie, I mean, you know, um, you know, Casey Rod messaged me this weekend, was talking about who he would prefer to take instead of Edie. And looking at it, he looks kind of like sloth, you know, soft and foot slow there. Look, I like his foot, footwork, but I do believe that he probably hasn't been coached hard enough under Matt Painter. Um, that's what I believe. Matt Painter is suspect. I've been feeling that way. I think he is part of the good old boy system. But if you go look at his resume on how many times they've been ousted under his watch, where we're talking 12 seeds, 13 seeds, 15 seeds, and now you go into history books, you know, with Virginia – just a few years ago. This is compared to me like, you know, forever we never saw the triple crown in horse racing. You know, we went like, you know, since secretary did, we went all the way from the 70s. And all of a sudden, you know, we pretty much, I think, saw it twice, like in a five-year period. You know, so we went forever just wondering if a 16 seed would ever be the one. And then years back, Virginia did it. Now, in Virginia, I thought a good point was made up of the weekend, though. Virginia, in their defense, they were without their best player, Hunter, at the time. The kid, the guy that plays for the Hawks now. They were they 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 were without him, and then the next year they come back with him. He decides to come back. He was hurt. They win the national championship. This was the biggest upset in NCAA history, in that tournament. They were, I think, they're, they're the biggest spread. They were a twenty-three point favorite. And what is Matt Painter supposed to say walking to the podium anyway with that? I mean, he got out coached. They have pretty much one of the you know top players in the country. And this is the one time Purdue Boilermaker fans will tell you, man, if we could ever just get the one seed, you know, we we get stuck at these four or fives. And all, we get, this is the one year they get a one seed, and a lot of people don't believe in them. What do they do? Piss on themselves. 16-1. Just terrible. So that busted a lot of brackets. I think I had Purdue going, I, I might have had them going what, to like the Sweet 16 maybe? I didn't have them going deep, deep. But I know I had them going past the first round like most everybody else did. Um, so you had that take place. I had him go to about the Sweet 16, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So you have that. I think you actually uh, had him to lead eight. Lead eight? Okay. Um, well, that got things kicked off this weekend, you know, as they went down the number one seed. All right. Then keep it moving. Um, I think you had a lot of good games. Um, I think the game yesterday with Kentucky, all right, um, Kentucky and Kansas State. And I will tell you this. I think Kansas State, they really only have themselves. Uh, I mean, well, they, they were end up, they, they had beaten them. But Kentucky was one of those situations. And if you look at Kansas State, and I'll say this. You know, I came in here a lot talking about the Big 12 being the toughest conference in college basketball. I think I, I'm not going to sit there and say the Big 12 was overrated based off of what the results are so far going through this tournament. But I will say that I think they were a little hyped up a little bit too much because they were beating each other up. And every time you looked in the AP top 20, top 25, you see damn near everybody in the conference almost rate, uh, ranked. But if you look at their performance, I mean, Baylor gets ousted, which I knew Baylor all season wasn't Baylor what people thought, because that's the first type of team I've seen that coach have where they just rely on the threes too much. OK, um, if you look at TCU last night, I mean, I thought that was a good game too. TCU only really has themselves to shoot in the foot. I think that they were in control of that game with Gonzaga. 
It was the way that game started was a little bit reminiscent, not as bad, but the way Baylor jumped on them in the national championship game a few years ago. But it was a it was a control that TCU had during that whole first half. And then in the second half, while they had them down, I think that was like an eight point lead or something like that at halftime or five or whatever it was. And I think they came out just relying too much on jump shots. They were too much shooting on jump shots. And the reality of the situation is, is that they got away from what they were doing. They got away from being aggressive. They couldn't be aggressive enough. They just got away from what they were doing. So you had them go out. Kansas, I had Kansas in the national championship game against Alabama. The only thing I'll say about that is Bill Self matters. He matters. I, I don't want to take, it, you know, everything away, you know, um, but Kansas you know, I don't want to take everything away from Arkansas because I got a lot of love for Eric Musselman as well, too. You know, he was an NBA coach. He's been having Arkansas compete. I mean, they've got like two lottery players on their team. Sometimes they can be frustrating because you really don't know what Arkansas team is going to show up. But I believe that's a game if Bill Self is on the sideline, they win. And obviously there was something, you know, I know the early reports were saying that he had a heart attack when he came out. He wasn't in the Big 12 tournament. And then it was like, no, that's not true. It's a procedure. Well, I would have to say it must have been a serious procedure he had to keep him away from the tournament, especially going into a second round game. So uh, that's unfortunate for Kansas. Um, you know, I don't think this was one of his better t I don't think there was as good as his national championship team, but anytime Bill's in the tournament and he has his team peaking, and even though they lost, you know, they didn't have them. Texas beat them two out of the last times they played, you know, in the Big 12 tournament, then right there toward the end of the regular season. But I just think if Bill's there, they win. Now, Arkansas is going to be a tough out. I mean, they play defense. They turn you over. They're going to be a tough out going forward. But I feel that Kansas wins that game if Bill Self is there. Also, um, just the things that pop out at me so far. I've said it before. Um, Alabama, okay, um, and let me tell you something. This is a team, and I'm saying it already, this is a team that is getting going to get no love from the referees. They're, you know, even if they go down, if they go to cut the nets down, they're not going to be a beloved champion because of what's surrounding this team and this particular individual, Brandon Miller. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Alabama has not been tested since the SEC tournament. They they've won. At least it seems like it to me. They've dubbed almost everybody they've played since the SEC tournament. They started playing the SEC tournament. Um, I said it before. There's you're going they're going to have to play down a notch and be off uh, for them to be got, in my opinion. Now, there's one team that I think that could probably really make it interesting. And again, these are not four out of seven. This is one. This is what makes the tournament so exciting. Um, you know, UConn, you know what Hurley has done with UConn. UConn looks they, they, they look like they've got a couple different ways they can beat you, too. You know, that was kind of a grounded out game yesterday that took them a while to get going. They came back in the second half and end up, you know, running away with that game. But that's a team that I don't know when they would get there, a matchup. That's one of those, that, you know, they say, you keep seeing to here, you see Barkley here say this, all this stuff. Clark Kellogg been saying, which is true, styles make fights. And, and if there's one team, and I think UConn has their hands full next game as well too, but UConn, the way they play, could probably be in, and, and there's not a dominant team in college basketball this year. I've said it all year, but Alabama, I believe, is the closest talent-wise 
as just being deeper and talent and probably having the best player in the nation um, on their squad. But they're definitely not going to be a like team because I'm some. And, and again, you look at their opening game. Brandon Miller didn't even score. And they still won. Now, of course, they played Corpus Christi, something, whatever, but they still won by 20 and he had zero points. He's dealing with the hamstring issue as we as we speak right now. But they, I told you the difference between this Alabama team in the last few years, all these teams have, uh, that Alabama under Oates have had since he showed up taking, out, taking over Avery Johnson, they've always shot the three. But the difference with this team is that they, they're, this is probably one of his best defensive teams he's had. And they not only have to rely on the three, they've got two guys that can just beat you off the dribble in the guard play in general. So to me, this is just one of those things that it's going to be interesting as we get into the Sweet 16. Because I told you, anything less, if they get beat in the lead eight, that's a, they don't make it at least to the through the lead eight, that's a big upset to me, no matter who they would lose to. That's a major upset, in my opinion. What do you have? Uh, your UConn-Bama matchup would have to be a championship yeah, game. Yeah, you see. They're opposite sides of the yeah. So, And I don't – you know, the chances of both of them getting there – you know they've got some they've got some work to do. Um, eight seven seven three seven grind. Also sticking with college basketball as well. So Alabama really impressed me. UCLA as well too. I mean UCLA is like a veteran team. Uh, you know they've got some guys there. Their best players like a junior or senior. Best players a senior. Um, UCLA looks very promising. That's going to be a very interesting matchup with Gonzaga. And like I said, that TCU and Gonzaga last night, that's going to be one of the worst bad beats that you'll see in college basketball history. And just a scenario, people that know about that stuff, I mean, like I said, Scott Van Pelt does a segment every Monday on that stuff, which is classic, by the way. But that is a bad beat. You know, open on the flop, I think Gonzaga, which I'm still waiting to hear how much money this shifted in Vegas, depending on books, which more they had liability on Gonzaga or either TCU. But the open flop was Gonzaga by four and a half. You probably got it at some spots at minus five, maybe as low as four. And a last second shot, I mean, with about 13 seconds left and you get in that foul game. And then what's ironic, the kid that hit the half, the half court shot, almost like a half court shot with like three seconds, a meaningless shot. I mean, Gonzaga's going to win the game. That kid missed three or four free throws in the second half. So that just ended up what side of the fence were you on that one? Were you a TCU backer or were you pretty much a Gonzaga backer? But the last shot was a significant play to some. And that, and to me, that, sh that shifted a lot of dough. But you'll never see that. I mean, because at the end of the day, the game had been conceded. You know they let the guard to let the ball roll and roll because the clock doesn't start till you touch it. And everybody just letting them roll. And he decides to pick it up in stride and just shoot it up. Bam, buzzer, thank you for coming. TCU loses by three. You could rip up your tickets. That that's a bad that's a bad one. And, and again, those I tell everybody through the course of how many Division One, Division Two college basketball games are. There's meaningless games like that, or shots at the end, or free throws, or a foul happens around games all the time. It's usually the one that's on the big stage that gets the attention. But I'll tell you that that one right there, that was more just being on the big stage. The way that scenario played out in the last 13, 14 seconds. That was a bad beat for those people out there in that world. 877-37-GRIND. Texas, UT, they're going back to the Sweet 16 for the first time in a long time. Um, and if you look at their situation, we know the, the kids, they went through something tough. You know, lost Chris Beard, had to end up being fired, got in a domestic situation. And if you look at Texas, okay, 
My question is because if you look at the kids and you look at the way that they play and, and you look at it, and again, they've named the interim coach, okay, as an interim coach. My question is, Rodney Terry, has he done enough to get the job? Because the kids keep lobbying for him. And remember, this is one of those that, you know, he's a very close friend to Chris Beard. Um, Chris Beard had him on his staff, you know, and I will tell you this. They they respond to him. They To me, they still play a tough style of defense. Most of what we've seen, some of them Chris Beard teams at Tech do, what they were doing really early on the first couple of years under Chris Beard. You see some of that, but you see a little bit different in regards to how much they really love playing for him. But my question is, has he done enough – for Texas to go ahead and give him this job and and see all the reports from the Andy cats of the world. And all them guys were talking about Texas was looking for a big name. They wanted to make a big name, you know, down in Texas and the Austin, the state capital, they always try to do it big, but you need to look in, in house what you have because the kids for, for obvious reasons, they play for them and they want them to get the job and they're going to the sweet 16. But we'll see. But I've told you how, they, they, and you know, Texas is the same thing as their football program. It's real fickle when it comes down because there's a lot of red tape at Texas when you come when you talk donors, when you talk about '80s people that got to sign off on those head coach at high profile positions. And and again, it's a football school. It's all about the gridiron. But the Texas program ain't, ain't had no chopped liver guys come through their program as well as the Kevin Durant's of the world. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge, guys like that. And they still go back in the summer. Kevin Durant talked to this team during this uh, right at the beginning of the season. They still hang out and come down to the facilities. But it's always a little bit of the politics situation that gets involved when it comes down to who to hire, who's that guy. And what worries about me, if they haven't ripped off the title yet, and these, these intern titles and the reports out there that they want a big name, I hope this ain't the Charlie Strong situation all again where it's like, well, you weren't our first choice. He should be, man. He's doing a hell of a job. He's doing a hell of a job coaching that team and taking over under the circumstances that he had to do it in. 877-37-GRIND. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. 
Spex has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Spex. The fun starts here.